Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hey, it's T Frank. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, as a happily married man, and of course, Nate Bauer is a happily married man, we decided that uh, we were going to do the live show tomorrow and preserve our marriages so that we get a Valentine's Day with our family. So we're doing something fun today. These are the Penn State man crushes, guys that you have a healthy respect for, for their game for what they do, somebody in sports. Nate is going to give his, I'm going to give mine. It's uh, our Valentine's Day special on the BWI Daily Edition. Nate, back from the West Coast, looking like the sun is shining out of your face. You have a good weekend. Yeah, yeah I have uh, I have sunburn on my lips, uh, as is an expected. You always do this. Constant. You constant. always do this. Do you, do yeah. you wear sunscreen when you go on vacation? Because you tend to go to tropical places. Uh, you know, well, LA is not a tropical, <laughs> tropical but it is place. a sunny place. Yeah, there was sun. There was sun, and uh, I did not wear the amount of sunscreen that I should. And when I say did not wear. The amount, I mean, I didn't wear any uh, twice golfing. And so, uh, you know, I paid for it. I paid for it. Um, but I do I do want to offer uh, one correction real quick before we get into this. Okay. You're saying, uh, you know, making some adjustments to the schedule f- to, to preserve our marriages. I have a 7 p.m. home basketball game <laughs> tonight. So, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was mostly for me. Like, this yeah. is mostly for me. But, you yeah. know, I wanted to include you in this as well. 
I appreciate that. I try to be an inclusive person. Yeah, because I am I am absolutely in the doghouse uh, to to witness the Nittany Lions play the Fighting Illini at 7 p.m. with their tournament hopes on life support. (laughs) We'll talk about that on the Hoop Show tomorrow. Uh, because yeah, since the last time you and I talked about basketball, it's not gone very well, Uh-oh. but we're here on the daily to talk about Valentine's day. I tried, I tried my hardest here to cre- recreate like, you know, elementary school cards. It's nice. You know, the ones that ever you, the, that you got, did you, did you get the elementary school cards, Nate? The my ones kids, where my kids gave them out today. Like my wife, yeah. I mean, God bless her. My wife did two classrooms full of these. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about this, but you have a class list that has every name of every kid in the okay. class. And okay. then it's from your kid to Addie and Maddie and. Uh, <laughs> See, way down. this is not how it went. This is not how it went. I know that, you know, we aren't approximately the same age. But when I was in grade school, and I know your kids are probably a little bit younger than grade school, like, you got cards from the people that liked you, like, from of the opposite sex. That's how it worked in my elementary school. So you're saying that every kid gets a card from every other kid. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Uh, but I, I would submit that it's... It's more weird to like someone of the opposite sex as a four-year-old, right? I mean, well, yeah, four, that's what I'm saying. What are, four what are we doing is here? Different than nine through eleven. Okay. Like that's that's different. So that was what I was going to ask you: was like when you were in grade school, did you get the Valentine's Day cards, and were you one of the kids that actually got the Valentine's Day cards? Because it was not I, everyone got a card from everybody in my in my day. Yeah, no, I was a I was a social outcast as a as a little kid, so I don't I don't recall that. I like maybe I don't know. I've <laughs> ever my 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 mom always tells the same story that I was so quiet as a little kid. I mean, goodness, how things have changed. I was so quiet as a little kid that my kindergarten teacher would send home the papers of another kid to like. She confused. She never learned my name throughout the school year. And so in April, when I was still bringing home Ryan's coloring sheets, she was like, what, what, what's happening? How my son's name is Nathan. Just send home the right. In any case, uh, here, here we are. And now I talk all the time. People can't get me to shut up. Yeah. Uh, Developmental things always, uh, don't go as you expect. So now that we've uh, got that out of the way, let's talk about what we're doing today. Yeah. Um, this is getting off to a great start. Man crushes. You know, we all know what we're talking sure. about when we talk about man crushes in sports. Guys, uh, football players, basketball players, uh, people in the sphere. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I, I'm, again, trying to be an inclusive person, but we talk about basketball and football here. So that's really what we're, we're relating these to that you have a healthy respect for that you think are awesome, regardless of whether they're great or not. Um, and I think it's a, a good list. What we have is you have the official list. I have my own list, which features uh, current Penn State football players, but yours is is very wide reaching. And I'm very fascinated to get into this today. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
I hesitate to get too uh, like I don't want this to cross over into fandom, but right. uh, most of these most of these careers have have passed the uh, the the shelf date right the expiration date in terms of me professionally covering them, and so I don't have mm-hmm. any problem uh, you know getting getting into the guys who certainly I enjoyed covering, got to know pretty well, and uh, you know think very highly of to this day. I also think there can be an objective admiration. Wow, today is great. An objective admiration. This is my post-Super Bowl after the day hangover, so uh, my mouth will eventually catch up with the rest of me. Uh, but yeah, like a professional admiration for the skill that somebody has. We are sure. not. So we are observers, but we are not robots. Like we can also have, sure. uh, you know, appreciation for. I view some of the things that these people are able to do as a form of art, like athletic art. The things that they are capable of doing are beyond the scope of just like ordinary. And that's where I I kind of get into a lot of this stuff. Maybe not all the guys on my list. That's not exactly how I describe these players, but some of the guys on your list, that's how I would describe them. So before we get to the list, as always, subscribe to Blue Eyed Illustrated here on YouTube. We are 25 subscribers away from reaching 10,000 and you could be the 10,000th subscriber which you'll get a very special prize of being the 10,000th subscriber uh but either way like the video and subscribe to blue Eyed illustrated it's always helpful so let's get to your first uh person on the list i want to keep saying player but they're not all players actually yeah 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 no i mixed them up what do you what do you got what's do you have a graphic you pick you you gave me the list so you can decide where we go first oh man now I gotta go back. Um, I, I, so DJ Newbill, I'll go DJ Newbill. I start with right. basketball. I like basketball. Everybody knows I like basketball. DJ Newbill is right at the top of my list of just dudes, right? Like just a just a dude in every sense. Uh, had a had a backstory away from the court that is heartbreaking in so many ways had to get through stuff that nobody should have to get through uh, and then delivered an on court persona that matched it. Right. Like, I, I don't know. And I, I think that you'll see throughout my picks that there, there's a lot of that. That's a consistency is, is, yeah. is players who play the, with a style, you know, whether it's an underdog, whatever, everybody loves yeah. an underdog. And certainly DJ Newbill was one of them uh, before he even got to Penn state uh, while he was at Penn state, lost his mother and then, you know, was able to just get through that. Right. I mean, it's, and it's hard. Uh, it was very difficult, but was able to, to produce the type of career um, as a, as a really uh a misfit, right? Like he's not, he didn't really, he was unique in a lot of ways in his style of game for the big 10. You see a lot of parallels with Jalen Pickett. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was, he was able to manifest that into one of the better careers uh, in, in Penn state history. And, and just, you know, the, kind of the scene encapsulating all of that of him just bawling his eyes out uh, walking off the court in his last game at Penn state in the big 10 tournament third round game. I think it was um, either Purdue or Iowa. I think it was Iowa, um, you know, just wanting to keep playing, wanting to keep yeah. going. And, uh, you know, obviously all things come to an end and 
that was that was the case there for him. It was it was tough that he never really got to experience the uh, the NCAA tournament. While at Penn State, he deserved to to have that opportunity. But even so, uh, was a guy who really gave it all all the time, and uh, you know has my complete respect for that. Is that the defining moment? What would you say would be the defining moment of what you remember of his career as a Penn State guard? I don't know. I mean, it was just, it was so consistent, right? Of just, yeah. of, uh, well, like, there's, you don't pick out a moment as much as you do the consistent theme of his career, which was one on five, <laughs> right? Like, he, <laughs> yeah. He was the one guy on the court who really, um, it, it, you know, at some stages of his career, obviously he he had uh, a year with Tim Frazier, but the year that Tim Frazier was lost uh, for the season due to injury, like he was it, he, right? And so you, you just, you had this consistency of like, hey, here's the one guy that everyone knows is going to take the shot. Uh, and yet he just finds a way. He just, he he just he just didn't have the cast of characters around him for the duration of his career that would open more things for him and for other people. Um, but he but he just kept bringing it right. He just kept delivering. Yeah. And that was uh, that was the consistent thing throughout his career at Penn State. So I'm going like I said earlier, I'm going with current Penn State football players. Give us a balance of like history, which, by the way, Nate is doing such a great job painting this this mural not even a picture, a mural of DJ Newbill that uh, feel a little silly with these microwave thoughts. Anyway, we're going with <laughs> Tyler Warren is the first one. Uh, I think a lot of people like Tyler Warren. I don't think that like my list is going to be unique in terms of like guys you like, and they're not all underrated sort of underdogs, but I always liked Tyler Warren's ability to deliver big moments in the red zone, right? He's a great red zone threat. He's able to go up and, and moss people on a regular basis. I was expecting a breakout year from him this year, but um, I think injuries were part of it. And the second thing is, you know, I don't know that he has a true position because he's a little bit of an inline tight end. He's a little bit of an H back, makes him a little bit of an oddball. And I like that. I like the, the, the position versatility and misfitness because he's just huge. Like he doesn't have a position. He's just huge. So I'm excited to see, you know, for his career, for kind of the next year preview thing is, is he an H back? Does he get to do that job full time without Brenton Strange there? Um, does he win that role, or does he continue to be a kind of utility guy that plays everywhere in the offense? Uh, because I do think he is talented. I think that the step back last year was a temporary one. So I I'm a I'm a fan of Tyler Warren. I still think he can do a lot of really good things for Penn State's offense, and I, they're counting on him. I really think uh, for this upcoming season. So now that we've got one off the list for each of us, where are you going next? I'll, I'll go back to the vault and uh, and go to the guy that I I still think elicits so many strong opinions. Like it's very interesting to me how how uh, this guy Bill O'Brien. <laughs> uh, By the way, I chose the surliest picture I could find. <laughs> sure, you have to. Uh, no, he look like he was such a unique person in a. Uh, you know, weird time, right? Yeah. I mean, tragic time, weird, like you name it for, for anybody that was in or around the Penn state football program at that time, there was, 
there was so much happening. There were so many layers, some of which were connected and some of which in so many ways had nothing to do with each other. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so on, on one hand you had the, the, the tragedy and everything that went into, you know, something that was real life dark, right. Yeah. Re- real life it played out in a court of law and just horrible, horrible stuff. Uh, okay. That precipitated a change for the football program that would have happened anyway at mm-hmm. some point, right? Yeah. A, a, you, right. So on the one hand, you have all that stuff and that messiness, but also you, you naturally had to replace at some point Joe Paterno from, from, the head coaching position in the Penn state football program. And that alone was a massive undertaking. So for Bill O'Brien to, to manage both of those and everything that, that that entailed at the same time, was just so radically difficult and so much that you have to navigate that his personality ended up being, I think, a a perfect fit for it, like a, a perfect yeah. fit for the moment in that he was a no BS guy, uh, just wanted to figure out how to play football, right? Like yeah. just wanted to keep it football. Cut, through, just, cut he, through all of that stuff to get to football. Yeah. Get to football. Get to football. And it's and it's what ultimately everyone needed. Too, I, I think, uh, for the community, for the university, yeah. for for all of those things. Uh, yes, there's a period of mourning. There's a period of uh, you know contemplation. You name it, that has to be attached to the type of momentous happenings that that we just talked about with Joe Paterno specifically, uh, and you know his absence. Right, he died. Uh, yeah. with, with, the, with, you know, Sandusky and, and all of that, uh, to, to, to get to a point of healing, it, it just, it demanded like getting people together and getting to people together at Penn state meant football. And though it took a couple of missteps in terms of on field wins and losses at the beginning, uh, they were able to get to that. Right. And so Mike Maudy. Mike Zordich, uh, you know, you, you name it, Jordan Hill, like down the line, Matt McGloin. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there were so many guys, Gerald Hodges, like you can name from that team uh, with Bill O'Brien, who managed to kind of steer the program uh, and bridge the gap of that just really uncomfortable time for everyone into what you see now, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, I, I don't think that what you see now would have been possible without that deft handling that happened at that time. Uh, You wouldn't have, you had to keep the boat afloat, right? You had to keep the boat afloat through the worst of the storm. And it takes a special hand to do that. That might not be the guy that needs to captain you long-term, but it's the guy that that you needed at that point. And uh, the, the, the fact that Penn state never was under 500 during those times is honestly unbelievable given that the program was supposed to die and the fact that it was uh, never went below 500 in those in those years is is um you know astounding and um 
talking about awkward transitions, I'm going to well, go with Zaki Wheatley. <laughs> what were you going to say? What were you going to say? No, I was just going to add one more thing about Bill, which is that he was funny. He was, he was, he had humor. He had like, there was a, uh, I mean, it still is, uh, a humanity to him where he was in touch enough to write, be emotional and call his team a bunch of fighters, uh, right. But like choking up as he's saying it, mm-hmm. but also was just a very funny and engaging guy. Just like, I'm, well, engaging might not be the right word because in a lot of ways he was very unapproachable, yeah. but, uh, also just, I, I don't know the per- the personality fit. It was, it was right for that right moment. How about Zaki Wheatley? Tell me about yeah. him. Darkest times <laughs> to, uh, you know, current times. Zaki Wheatley He's got a nose for the ball, got a nose for the ball, got a nose for the football. But here's the thing, like talking to him last uh, spring, I was really impressed with his uh, preparation, not for the interview, but just in general, like his his presence and his um, his mind for football. So I think a lot of people think instincts and then you think like this innate thing that comes to life within you in a certain moment. And there is a degree of that that you can't deny. But to make it all an inborn thing is incorrect. Zaki Wheatley's a smart dude. And, you know, one of the things I liked watching about him, a lot of times when you're when you're watching film, you're seeing guys make mistakes. And it's because they're unaware. It's because they are not they don't see the full picture or they they don't see what's coming. They're not they don't see what the offense is trying to do. They kind of stay within their base rules, or maybe they forget their base rules of what's supposed to be happening. I liked watching Zaki because he was breaking the rules intentionally. So he's he's squatting on a route, and the guy runs by him, but he's watching the quarterback's eyes. So he dives at an errant throwaway pass, and you get a, you get an interception again in the Auburn game when his dude is wide open down the field because he took that risk. Um, you know, those are the things when, when I watch Zaki Wheatley. It's it, it's not just forcing fumbles and making plays. It's the intentionality he does it with sometimes. Um, I think he gambled too much, and I've said this a couple times. I think he gambled a little too much, but then he really settled down, and he became a good, quality, free safety in the offense. I'm sorry, in the defense. And I just, you know, the thing, the, the guys that get on my list have a certain quality about them. Like, they may not be the full-on superstar, like you know the the Abdul Carter, who's or the Denied and a Sutton that everyone is 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 aware of, but they have uniquely exceptional traits that make them fun to watch, and you know you respect watching what they're doing. And, and Wheatley, another guy that I think I've been saying this um, as I've watched more and thought more about the the secondary. Penn State needs to fill in for Tig Brown in a lot of different places. I think Wheatley can do that in that prowler role where he's he's reading the quarterback, he's trying to jump stuff, he's trying to play kind of a free man in the defense. Um, and and that was something that Tig did very well, but it was an underrated part of the defense. And you know, I think that that's something that uh, when you, when you're looking at Wheatley, I really like all those qualities and characteristics uh, that he brings to the table. So that that's that's the second guy on my list. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Who do you have? Any more, any more uh, really, really emotional and or controversial players so that we yeah. can bounce back and forth between uh, yeah. 18 and 19 year olds and uh, some, of the, some of the most historic things that happened at the university? Yeah, no, for sure. Sean Lee, naturally. Um, <laughs> there we go. This is a normal one. This counts. This is this is like pretty straightforward. Although he did have he did have some stuff, right? He tore an ACL right when yeah. he was about to have his big huge season. Uh and uh you know, to to have been able to weather that and come out of it. I don't know. For a guy who who that happened to, right? He, and he established himself as this tough hard-nosed blue collar, what have you, uh, a buddy of mine, when we used to play pickup basketball, we always called him a golden retriever, right? Yeah. Uh, Because just like happy to be a pain in the butt constantly, just like never has an off button and is like happy wearing a smile the whole time. Sean Lee was that at Penn state. He was just ever present always had a great attitude was always earnest uh, about everything that he did. And so, yeah, to, to, to get through a, uh, a knee injury like that bounce back, but like still be a huge part of that 2008 team, even though he couldn't play on it. Yeah. And then bounce back and have the type of year that he did in 2009 before he, he obviously went on to have a really nice NFL career. I mean, I, I know one that, got hit by some injuries along the way, but yeah, still was a guy who was productive and, um, you know, certainly represented Penn state, uh, nicely throughout, uh, his tenure. Yeah. And was part of one of the, I think the last true, like classic Penn state linebacker groups. And as you pointed out, injuries were the, like the common thread throughout his career, because one point in the NFL, he was one of the five, six best linebackers, and, you know, I, I think he you have Navarro Bowman next to him. And again, injury played a huge part in his career. But you had that dichotomy of Navarro was so physically talented and was a highly underrated player. Then, then became one of the two best linebackers in, in football. But then you have Lee, who was kind of a he took a little bit longer to develop in the NFL because of some of the injury stuff. But became, you know, you've got two of those guys in the NFL at the same time doing it differently, but also having these exceptional qualities. So. I think that's a fun part of the story, too, is like it was the last gasp of linebackers in general in football before it full on hit you in the face that you you can't keep three of them on the field at all times. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got? Uh, I'm going to go Jordan Vandenberg. I I couldn't leave him off the list. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Because he's been he's been the man crush of the BWI Daily since the start of the show. So like he had to be on the list. Um it's interesting how this develops because it does, like I said, doesn't always mean that it's going to be, um, you know, I was right when he's a first round draft pick. It's just like he has qualities that are above what his profile is. 
I don't think I think he's twitchy and explosive and strong. I think he can perform a really good service for the defensive tackle room where he can play either position, in my opinion. I think he can be that quick guy that penetrates as a three technique. I think he's strong enough and maybe he doesn't have the reach necessary to be like a profile specific run stuffer, but he can be an obnoxious, disruptive run stuffer specifically if he learns, I think, some more tips and tricks as to how to defeat double teams. Again, 295 pounds probably could get to 300, but he's good where he is. Not going to be that prototypical one tech with the length and the size. And I just think that he can be a lot of things that are really good for a defense. And one of the things I always like are athletic guys that are more athletic than their than their position, especially along the D line. And I think he's really athletic. You know, watching him try to run down a running back in open in the open field, that's fun. Like, the other thing is, a lot of these guys are really fun to watch. So that's why I'm going with Jordan Vandenberg here on my list as well. Um, we got two left each, right? Yep. Yep. All right, where are you going? And it, I mean, it makes sense with Vandenberg to stick with the underdog theme. So I'm going to go a little out of order here. Go with Saquon Barkley. <laughs> what? What? he's a classic classic underdog tale um you know look he was so good he's just really good i don't in 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 the most fandom way that i don't want to be like i i just thought he was the best like i i right the the uh iconic carries that he had throughout his career I just thought were uh, different from anybody. Right? Yeah. I, I just, I, there, there have not been players that I have seen like him in specific moments um, that, that were able to do what he did. I thought that like, even in losses, right. So Penn State fans, it's, it's like easy to, I think y- y- you go to the Rose bowl run and, and that's one, the first one that I go to as well, but also uh, the kickoff return at Ohio State, yep. right? Like uh, I'm in the press box and the guy next to me who is not a media member, so it didn't really matter, but is making a, a call to make a bet on Ohio State, right? Like five minutes before kickoff. Mm-hmm. And like the, the look on his face as Barkley juts up the sideline for a hundred yard kickoff return. It's like, oh man, that poor guy. Like he just laid money <laughs> I didn't, you never told me that story. That's a good story. It was funny. Um, You know, but, but like that play, the, the the hurtling, the dude at Iowa, you you name it. I mean, just throughout his career, he had so many of those that, that were, that were, again, they were just different. When, uh, when you, when you do this job, there's always an itch to scratch for things that you haven't seen before. Yes. Because you see it all the time where we are embedded in this and you just, there's a routine to it uh, over the years. Right. And so whether that's in personalities that you cover uh, just, just anything at any point along the way, when you see something different, it stands out, it stands out and, uh, certainly, Saquon was uh, uniquely, uniquely talented in his time at Penn State. You know, I think you bring up a really good point and, and something I, I think I've tried to say before in, in 
how I view kind of like this conversation. I'm not rooting for Drew Aller to be great because I want Penn State to win. I'm rooting for Drew Aller to be great so that I can watch a potential first-round draft pick quarterback. I've never yep. done that. I've never in yep. person evaluated a guy that's like, okay, yeah, that's definitely a, a that's that's a top five pick. I mean, th- within the first month to month and a half of watching Barkley, I think we all knew like this dude is special. This dude is different. And it was I remember going on a Detroit radio station before the Michigan game. And they're like, so what about this Barkley guy? And I said, well, I think everyone here is just kind of realizing. Like, appreciate these moments because he's a top five pick. And, you know, he's going to be gone before you know it. And he is that good. And they're like, well, okay then. And then, you know, he did his thing uh, against Michigan that that day. So truly fun to watch. I think you nailed that one. Um, I'm going to go with Curtis Jacobs for my next player. Um, this is, this is – I think an underrated part and I, I I haven't you know we, we haven't kind of gotten into the insider stuff about like how this part went I'd be interested to talk to Curtis about how this went but the fact that he in his uh in his season to be the guy moved from Will to Sam was a very selfless thing to do because I, I've tried to explain this to people who want him to like be a quasi safety and be a 200 pound whatever and and be that player doesn't exist in the NFL. Like the Sam linebacker does not exist in the NFL. That's just a nickel corner. That's the, so him moving back to a position where he's trying to show the NFL, hey, I'm a dude, I'm going to play. And because it's for the best part of the team for him to move back over there. And I know he still played the will. And I'm, I'm kind of making this more than it is because he still split time at the position, but he was, he was giving up a bit of the spotlight in the defense so that they could win. And I respect the hell out of that. I respect that a lot, that he was able to perform and to be locked in and to play really well down the stretch um, at the Sam position and, you know, kind of split time between the two as well and have to be in two worlds at once. I thought that was an incredibly impressive thing to do. And I'm curious to see how they do it again this year. Like, what's what's the role going to be? How are they going to manage that? Because... Uh, you know, you can't take Abdul Carter off the field, but I don't think you can take Curtis Jacobs off the field. And yep. and I thought he was a good player before, but seeing kind of the maturity and the the respect for the game, I thought that was something that I that I that I respected a lot out of him last year. So your last one, and then my last one. Let me go first. Yeah, you go first. Well, and then I'm we'll going to ad lib, but I'm going to ad lib. I don't want the one that I chose. <laughs> Is that okay? Oh, I, I mean, I made graphics, I but to. yeah. No, okay. no, no, no. You don't have to. You don't have to. Like, I'd well, rather I'll, be. I'll say him. I'll say him. And then I'll talk about somebody else. How about okay. that? Okay. All right. You go first. All right. So I'm going to like the, the, the easiest way to do this is when there isn't any information available, but you like what you see. And that's to, to me, that's Dakari Nelson. Um, you know, when you don't have a lot of information, it's much easier to make up the rest and then you can make up whatever you want. So. Uh, with freshmen, this is why fans love freshmen because you yeah. get a limited amount of information, and it is, it's usually positive because we're not going to sit here and crush seventeen and eighteen year olds. Um, there are a lot in this class that I really like. Like shout out to King Mac and to um, Elliot Washington in this class. Like just in the secondary alone, both those guys were on the list, and then I ultimately decided going to Dakari because he's six three. 195 pounds and he runs a 447. 
Um, he plays corner in high school. His team tried to play him at safety. He was going to play more safety. He played it in the spring game, but then he was, they just needed an eraser. His high school needed an eraser. So he went back to the corner position. Um, I think his potential is exceptional. You know, I don't know what position he's going to play. Boundary safety is where I have him kind of penciled in, but who knows if he ends up at that linebacker, whether he's a will, whether he stays at safety. When you have that combination of size and speed, especially early in your career, before the development happens and and your your genetics take over fully, it you you can paint, like I said, you can paint whatever picture you want. So I'm very excited about Dakari Nelson. I think he's uh, again a, a pretty mature guy, and I think he has a great future at Penn State. So I'm excited to see all that stuff play out. Um, so I'm ending. The reason I wanted to go first is I'm ending with something that is as uh, light and fluffy as it could be. And I don't know if you yep. have another heavy hitting bomb to drop. To no, <laughs> no, no, no heavy hitting. bomb. I was going to say Jalen Pickett. And I, and I do feel very strongly about Jalen Pickett. I like him a lot. Uh, and I think that it is going to be unfortunate for him and for Penn state basketball when they don't get to the tournament this year, uh, barring an absolute miracle coming down yeah. the stretch that he, that his opportunity will again, not come to fruition. But on the better note, and what I think is uh, more interesting, maybe, I don't know, at least it's more practical right now. Like how Abdul Carter, we got to talk about him yeah. <laughs> to, to a certain extent. <laughs> like, uh, in terms of current players, I, I, I think that there is a, I have a fascination with the, the buildup of plays that don't happen where like the anticipation, like as you're watching Abdul Carter, yes, he makes a ton of plays where it's just like, it's so fast when it happens uh, that it's just like, oh, oh man, like, can you believe that he just did that? But yeah. I'm almost more fascinated for myself watching him of, of the plays that didn't happen this year that almost happened that I think he will make in the future. Okay. Uh, like when he's running down the sideline and the quarterback hits him in the helmet because he's in the hip pocket of a running back 20 yards down the field. Something like, like that. that. Some, like he a, might turn around and catch that ball next year. Like a, uh, like a, an almost pick six tipped ball at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Is that Michigan state? Uh, I think so. Right? Just, he, he's all over the field. He's, he's everywhere at once. And I, 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 when you give a guy like that, who has that athleticism and he marries it with a, a passion for playing as well as preparation, it just feels limitless for yeah. him. It just, it just feels like the, the door is just cracking open, which is hard to say about a guy who, very clearly put it all like it was all in front of you this year. It was very evident early in the season, the type of talent that he has, but this notion that you hear coaches talk about of him just scratching the surface is one that I believe strongly in. I, I mm -hmm. think that that's real. I think that that's real, that this is just the beginning for him and, and what he's capable of doing. And anytime, like we, we talk about it all the time, Anytime that you have an opportunity, anytime that you have a player on your side who can singularly change games, either through what he does specifically or the impact that he does on the brains of defensive or offensive coordinators, yeah. that's powerful. That is yeah. powerful. 
And I think that Abdul Carter is certainly one of those guys. Well, since you got uh, an honorable mention with Jalen Pickett, I'm going to throw out the night Dennis Sutton then. Because it, what, you, it, what you were saying about uh, Abdul, uh, you know, having talked to Denai here on the show and then getting a chance to talk to him again briefly at the media day the other day, his, his self-awareness, and that's something that I drawn towards in, in people generally, but when you are 6'5", 6'6", 250 pounds of, of just human destruction in in a in a in a football player but you also have the self-awareness to know where you need to get better and to work on it i just think that's awesome because that's what you get when you get abdul carter into nine dennis sutton that's how you maximize all those talents so penn state's in a good spot and also they have been in a good spot with some of the guys you talked about yeah it's love is in the air uh valentine's day we did it yeah, we did it i don't know how to i don't know i didn't know how to start the show I don't know how to end this show, but we did it. That's your Valentine's Day special. I'm making, uh, what am I making tonight? Uh, bottle of wine. I didn't make that, but then we're having uh, chicken. Um, oh, what's the, what the hell is the dish? I have already forgotten it. Anyway, Cacciatore. No, it's the other one. Chicken parm. We're parm. having chicken parm tonight. Oh, uh, wow. Nice. So I'm going all out with some fancy uh, chicken parm. I mean, I'm You're going to have chicken fingers. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order DoorDash for my... <laughs> All right, it's BWI Daily Edition. We'll be back with a live show tomorrow. Tune in uh, 7 p.m. here on YouTube. We'll talk to you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.